Our scripture comes from Acts chapter 10, beginning in verse 34. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Would you pray with me? Dear God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I feel so blessed to be here at AUMC. It has been a long and winding road into ministry for me. And while I was raised Methodist and have attended Methodist churches all my life, it was here at Atascacita United Methodist Church that I felt I did most of my growing as a disciple and where I identified my call to ministry. Honestly, I remember holding a brochure in college that listed all the potential fields for my major, communication, and ministry was one of the occupations listed. And for a second, I thought, well, that would be really cool, and then I dismissed it. I think now that it was probably the Holy Spirit trying to tell me something, but I ignored it. At the time, I was not involved in a local church, and I felt that I was way too damaged and broken to be used by God. Now, I went into education, teaching public speaking and human communication, and I want to tell you a little bit more about how I actually went from that into a call to ordain ministry, because today we're going to be talking about how the Holy Spirit can work on people and create changes that we would not expect, and it was certainly a change that I did not expect. Steve and I became involved in a local church in Laredo, Texas, where we spent our early years as a married couple, and I worked with children in vacation Bible school and Sunday school. When we moved here in 2008, I continued volunteering in Sunday school and vacation Bible school, um, for it is truly my favorite ministry um, and has always been for my entire life. And it was during Vacation Bible School in 2011 that I actually said the words out loud, how cool would it be to work for the church? But nothing really came of it at that time. 
The next year, uh, during my experience at Walk to Emmaus, that desire to serve the church grew stronger. And it was later in 2012 that a position for children's ministries here at AUMC became available. I wasn't sure that I could do it, but many of you here in the church encouraged me. I went back and forth on whether or not to even apply, but Miss Beth told me that once God puts something like that in your heart, he's probably not going to let it go. Pastors Andy and Kristen encouraged me, and I almost backed out of the whole deal, but sweet Marty Cox encouraged me to press on, and I'm so glad that she did. I see all those voices now urging me down this path as voices of the Holy Spirit. Now I just had to convince my husband. <laughs> I remember telling him that the hours would be better than my job at the college, so I would be home more, so the house would be cleaner and I could cook more. <laughs> I find that really funny now as I <laughs> really work in ministry and see the long hours that it does entail. I don't know if he believed me, but he supported me anyway. Maybe the Holy Spirit got a hold of him too. I made so many mistakes that first year and continue to make mistakes, but this place is a place filled with grace as people allowed me to grow and to continue to explore my call into ministry. In certification classes for children's ministry and Christian education, I felt more of a desire to surrender my whole life to God and to the church. But I really only knew the role of elder within the church, and I knew that I was not called to that role. It was only when Pastor Deborah told me about the role of deacon and encouraged me to pursue it that I truly felt at home. It seemed like the perfect marriage of my two loves of education and the church. This church has never had a deacon before, but I think it's a really good fit. AUMC has always had a heart for mission, for local outreach, and for families and children. And it is my privilege to help continue to further that mission. I can tell you that no one is more surprised than I am to be standing here in a clergy robe. <laughs> but it was important to me to listen to that call that God had placed upon my life and only through the support and encouragement of my family and all of the people here was I able to do that. Over the years, the Spirit has changed me in ways that I never thought possible. Last week, Pastor Deborah preached about the need for humility and openness because God never finishes revealing God's truth to us Truth about ourselves, as in my story and my call to ministry, and truth about the world. Our scripture today that Pastor Deborah read is the final sermon in our series, Can I Get a Witness? And it focuses on the story of Peter and Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. Both of these men had that humility and openness that was needed for them to see things in a new way. This story is often called the conversion of Cornelius, but as the narrative is told, the focus moves back and forth between Peter, the apostle, and Cornelius, the centurion. Both men have visions, 
Both men make speeches, and both need changing so that the mission of God is to move forward. You might say that both of these men experience a conversion. American theologian Will Willimon contends that the real star of this story is not Peter or Cornelius, but is in fact the Holy Spirit. He describes the Holy Spirit as the gracious and prodding one who finds a way even in the midst of human distinctions. Acts chapter 10 is a story about how the Holy Spirit and God's purposes are accomplished in spite of the boundaries that we create as humans. Let's take a deeper look at the humility and the openness that these two men had, which led to an unprecedented outreach of the gospel to the unchurched. First, we can look at their visions, starting with Cornelius at the beginning of Acts chapter 10. Chapter 10, verse 1 tells us that Cornelius is a Roman centurion. He does not appear in the Bible at any point before or after this story. A centurion is an officer in charge of 100 men with an allegion, which is 6,000 men. And more than likely, Cornelius was a model Roman soldier. You see, he was in a port, a key strategic area for Rome, where they would have depended on the goods that went through that port. And so any officer appointed to this region would have had to have been a model Roman soldier, a good and trusted man. A key part of his job was to keep the peace between the Roman occupation and the local Jewish community, and he seemed to do a good job. In addition, verses 2 and 22 tell us that Cornelius was a devout worshiper of God. He prayed, he gave generously, and he respected the traditions of the Jewish people. So one afternoon, Cornelius sees a vision of an angel from God who tells him that God had heard his prayers and was pleased. The angel, tell, angel tells him to find Peter, who was staying in Joppa, and to bring him to his house to receive a message from him. And Cornelius obeys. Now, Peter's vision is a little different. He was praying on a rooftop in the city of Joppa, um, and he became very hungry. And so his vision included food. <laughs> and out of the heaven came like a sheet, held up by its four corners, and it was filled with animals of every kind, reptiles, wild birds, four-legged creatures, some tasty and some decidedly not tasty. And the voice tells him to kill and eat. And Peter is not obedient. He tells the Lord, absolutely not. Now, it seems odd that somebody would refuse the Lord in such a way, but it's important to remember the Jewish food customs. Leviticus 11 laid out the rules of what the Jewish people could and could not eat, and it was more than just about the food. The food customs created a way for the Jews in a Roman-occupied region to maintain their identity. And so there was a lot at stake for Peter if he would have accepted this food. So he refuses, telling the Lord, I have never eaten anything profane or unclean. And then he hears the words that will change the trajectory of Peter's witness and the mission of the early church. 
What God has made clean, you must not call profane. This message is repeated three times, and then the vision ends. Verse 17 tells us that Peter is bewildered or greatly puzzled, which I think was probably an understatement for how Peter felt at that time. As he was mulling this over, the servants that Cornelius had sent for Peter arrived, and God told Peter, go downstairs, don't ask any questions, and go with these people that I have sent. And Peter obeys. So we move forward a little bit in chapter 10, and Peter arrives at Cornelius's house. And he's a little confused, probably even more so when Cornelius, likely a large and foreboding Roman soldier, falls to the feet of Peter to worship him. Now, it's important to remember that as a Roman, Cornelius was accustomed to the idea of many gods, and he may have seen Peter as more than just a man. But Peter quickly corrects him, tells him he is just a human and that he is not to be worshipped. By doing that, Peter reinforces the idea that there is only one true God, and he puts himself and Cornelius on an equal footing for the rest of their exchange. It was probably a little awkward, (laughs) but Cornelius brings Peter in, and he finds a much larger crowd than he anticipated, as Cornelius had gathered all of his family and friends. And he asks Cornelius what he's doing there, and Cornelius gives his speech. He recounts his vision. It's pretty short and to the point, but what I want to highlight is what he says in verse 33. We are gathered here in the presence of God, to listen to what the Lord has directed you to say. That kind of openness is what we need to be nudged by the Holy Spirit. So often we go in to hear a message and we decide ahead of time that we're not going to like it or that it doesn't apply to us. And so we may be listening, but only with half an ear. Cornelius indicates that he and those who are gathered, recognize that the Lord is with them and that they are open to receiving that word. Then we hear Peter's speech, which Pastor Deborah read for us today. He offers his interpretation of his vision. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. And then he shares the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. As he is speaking, the Holy Spirit fills the room, and just like in Acts 2 at the Feast of Pentecost, everyone starts speaking in different languages, and Peter recognizes that God is truly with them, and he baptizes them in the name of Jesus Christ. With this baptism of Gentiles, without requiring them to convert to the ways of the Jewish customs, Peter has experienced a change in his heart just as significant as Cornelius and those who were baptized that day. These 43 verses in Acts chapter 10 are groundbreaking. Before this, all the followers of Jesus Jesus Christ were Jewish, and the early church fully believed that in order for someone to be eligible for God's blessings, they had to observe Jewish rituals follow the Jewish food customs, become circumcised, and stop sharing table with Gentiles. 
what happens in Cornelius' house busts bust that thought wide open. And it's not without consequence. Because when the church leaders hear about what Peter did, they call him in and they ask him how he could possibly have done this. How could he even have entered that house? How could he have baptized those Gentiles? How could he have shared a table with them? Peter simply recounts his vision for them and tells them that if God gave them the same gift that he gave to those who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, then who am I? Could I stand in God's way? Who am I, he asked, to think that I know better than God? Who am I to ignore the gracious and prodding Holy Spirit? Who am I to judge other people? Who am I to create barriers and categories when God says, what I have made you shall not call profane. So the question for us becomes, how do we still create and maintain barriers? How can we listen to the gracious and prodding Holy Spirit who beckons us to remember that all people are loved by God, that all people are created in the image of God, there's an old song that says the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Let me say that again. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. All are welcome in Christ Jesus. All can attain the redemption and love that Christ offers. It's a nice phrase, and it's true, but it's not enough for us to say that. It's not enough for us to just believe it. It is our job as Christians by our baptismal vows to work in the world to pull that ground out into the world. To stand up for those who face inequality and to build up the oppressed until the world becomes a reflection of that cross. What will be your witness as a follower of Christ? Will it be one of exclusion and judgment? Or will it be one of hospitality, love, service, and compassion? May we always be humble and open enough to the prodding of the Holy Spirit so that our minds and our hearts can receive God's everlasting call for righteousness. Would you pray with me? Let us pray, God of heaven and earth, you created the one human family and endowed each person with great dignity. Fill our hearts with love for you and for our neighbor so that we may work with you in healing our land from injustice. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.